Welcome to a world of stories Sure to captivate your soul Join us on this journey as we take you down a rabbit hole From indie flicks to blockbusters Our love for film runs deep Sit back, relax, grab some popcorn Let the conversation seep Welcome to this American wife yeah. Where we discuss the films that come to life Together we explore, we analyze and analyze With an Anglo-American lens We see the truth behind the lies Welcome to our show It's a story to be told Welcome back everyone to This American Wife I'm Amber I'm Tim. Why am I introducing myself again? Do they not remember who we are? I mean, they should do, but maybe we have new followers, babe. <gasps> oh, cool. Well, I'm Tim. She's Amber. <laughs> Hi, new people. So, last episode, we promised to talk about uh, where the DC Universe is going, oh. reviewing Aquaman, but... Because Oscar season is approaching, we have decided to postpone that one just a little bit. This is like a bonus. Yeah, this is a special feature. <gasps> Ooh, I like that. The BAFTAs just happened. We were sick with a Something. terrible plague <laughs> uh, before the BAFTAs, so we were going to record one for that, but we were very ill. So we're going to review what happened at the BAFTAs and talk about Oscar nominees. Ooh, I'm, I'm getting excited now because according to my letterbox, we're at 52% of the feature films that we have currently seen. We haven't really started on the shorts, which is pretty great. But, you know, is anything floating to the top for you already? That makes me really proud of us for being able to watch... 52% of the feature films. That makes me really proud because I have never been one to do the Oscars in such a legitimate way before. So I'm really excited that we get to do this as a couple. I've legitimized you. <laughs> so we saw at the BAFTAs that Oppenheimer ended up winning loads loads but specifically for film yeah i loved oppenheimer it was great but there is a lot of best pictures in my opinion because this is the interesting thing about that category that they they've expanded it to 10 and that that gives us a real broad spectrum of film but it's true that Oppenheimer does seem to be floating to the top of everyone's guesses for winning. But they're all good so far. Everything that we've seen, and we've seen 9 out of 10, has been pretty good. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to go backwards on the best picture list that we've got. So American Fiction is at the bottom of the list. I don't know why. Sorry. It's okay. I liked American Fiction. And it won a BAFTA for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. That was a bit of a surprise. Which was a surprise to us, because my number one vote for Adapted Screenplay was Zone of Interest. Really? I loved Zone of Interest, 
I loved the idea of Zone of Interest because we did the Baptist before we even saw it. Yeah. And now that I've seen it and we've read all the behind the scenes about it. Yeah. It won me over. So let's clue everyone in on a little bit of those films then. So American Fiction, first of all, is an American film about a, a black novelist who does not like the fact that his novels are being pigeonholed. Authors are expected to write in a certain style to appease people. Um, And he plays with that. Now, I was a bit surprised by that film because the trailer shows one thing. It makes it feel a bit like a madcap comedy. Um, But actually, I thought the film had a lot more heart and a lot more family drama than that, which the trailer didn't really even hint to. What did you think? Yes. Now that I think is why I liked American fiction because it was a bit of a twist to what was on the trailer, but it also in another way kind of threw me because I was not expecting. What we were expecting. Yeah. We sat down to watch a bit of a crazy comedy and we got this intense family drama. Yeah, it was a lot more than we were expecting. But then, Zone of Interest, then, that's the one that we've most recently seen. Yes. How would you describe Zone of Interest for those who haven't yet heard about this film? So, Zone of Interest is the iconic Oscar nominee of the Holocaust films. But I will say, it is a totally different perspective on the Holocaust. Completely. It's a perspective I've never seen before. Yeah, so this is portraying the life of the family of a commander, Rudolf Haas. They live in a house right next to the concentration camp in Auschwitz, in the middle of the Holocaust. Now, this was such an interesting take, because the family itself looks ideal. They're they're pretty normal yeah, the family feels normal otherwise. And and we, you know, read a lot of information on behind the scenes that there was cameras laid throughout the house, so it was made to look very almost documentary style, which was so interesting in itself. But when you look on the inside of the house, it's a father who loves his kids, a wife who loves her garden and her kids, and they just want the best life for their family. But the way they get that life is killing people. Now, I will say I really appreciate that they did not show anything horrific. They It was all about the sound in this film, which is why if it doesn't win Best Picture, I understand. But it better win Best Sound. Now... Yeah, it's up against a few strong contenders at the Oscars for Best Sound. So it won the BAFTA, but at the Oscars it's up against Oppenheimer, Maestro, The Creator, and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. I'm going to knock Mission Impossible out. I don't think that'll get it for sound. Um, In other years, maybe it would have. I think it's it's between Zone of Interest and Oppenheimer. Agreed. But although Oppenheimer's sound is excellent, this film is all about the sound there is this constant uh background soundtrack of essentially war crimes horrors being committed in auschwitz 
that is literally just over the garden wall and you can always hear it next to the, this family's home. That's an incredible way of doing things. So, you know, there, there's a whole film to be had just by closing your eyes and listening. Um, uh, what did you think about the way they used the sound in the film? Yeah, it was excellent. It They started the film with a black screen for so long in the hopes of the viewers keying their ears to the sound. Yeah, that's what I thought they were doing too. It was a clever technique. And that just made you pay attention through mm. the whole film. Because even though the sounds are the horrors we know that happened behind the wall, they're not that loud. You have to really listen. Yeah, there's Everyone... only certain certain moments where I think it comes to the fore. But you're right, the rest of the time you, you'd have to concentrate to realise what was going on. Yeah. Now, something that we kind of did a little bit of research on... That it was loosely based on a book written by... Martin Amos? Yes, thank you. So, the film is actually a whole lot more accurate, yeah. historically speaking, than the book, which is very rare. <laughs> it's, so, it, it seems that the book was based on these people, and the film said, we're not just going to be based on it, we're going to go back to it being about them. Uh, to put back their real names added some uh, details that seemed to be very accurate to the the real people so instead of it being about some unspecific fictionalized nazis it's actually about the people who were in charge of auschwitz and the filming location was near enough the same as the actual location of this house it was 200 yards away because they couldn't actually end up using the real house because it was too dilapidated. Is that a word? D- dilapidated is a word. I can't remember if that was the reason they couldn't use the house. But... I read an article about it. It oh. said that that was why because oh, they wow. said they just couldn't couldn't get the rights and they also it was like it was a nightmare because they were they were needing to build everything mm. new. They said they wanted the look of the house to be brand new because it was like it needed to be fresh. It needed to look like this idealistic house that everyone would want to live in. And it really was that, wasn't it? So that, that's very clever. I didn't know that. I appreciated the interesting use of cameras in this film. We, You talked about that. You, I, I thought that was fascinating. Thanks for looking into that. Because, first of all, the filming in the house was done in a way that the cameras were just set up and left running. Um, they called it like Big Brother in a Nazi house. But then outdoor cameras, they used military cameras for night vision scenes, uh, which were so different to the rest of the film. They had almost like a dreamlike state. You kind of at first weren't sure what's going on. It was so, such a bright image. Um, we won't say exactly what's in those scenes to not spoil them, but the the point the things were almost stylized in a way. It looked almost unreal. And I thought that was such a fascinating choice of of camera and way of doing that. Did you find them jarring or how did you find those scenes? So at first when that scene happened 
it did seem like a dream sequence and it was a little jarring because of the contrast between this naturally lit beautiful film that we'd been watching this whole time and then we have this jarring almost like black and white yeah night vision sequence that threw me <laughs> but I actually really liked it. And, it. and when we did more research on how they used it, it was the military camera that only picked up heat signatures. So only certain things were lit. And that was so interesting to me. And when I found out that the person in those scenes was a real person mm. that they based these scenes on mm. that actually happened, that made it so much better. Yeah, apparently the the writers and director really talked to a lot of people who were the survivors, read their accounts. Um, So the accuracy of this film, I'm not a historian, but as far as we can tell, it's about as accurate as it could have got. So that was fascinating to me. So something that I thought was so real, and I described this movie to you, babe, after we finished watching it as almost haunting because of the way that it was done. Mm -hmm. They had done some research and so much. They had done so much research Mm -hmm. actually on how to make the sounds right. Mm -hmm. And the most haunting one of all to me was the fact that they wanted to add in Period accurate gunfire and screams, but they did not get actors to just mimic being in pain. They genuinely went through and found sounds of people being in pain because the cadence of the screams are different when you're acting and when you're actually in pain. Which is a scary level of detail to go to, but... Having seen the film and thinking back on the sounds, it would explain why they felt so unnerving. Um, it, it made you uncomfortable when you picked up on certain sounds in the background. So I, I get that the the level of detail and uh, effort they went to to do that is why I think it's got a real shot at best sound at the Oscars. Shout out to Sandra Hewler because she she had two great films this year. Anatomy of a Fall was the other one. But she was the wife in this one of the commander. And she had said in an interview she would never play a Nazi because that really upset her. The thought of that uh, being a German actress, it was very close to home for her. But that the director, when she read the script and when she talked to the director she felt comfortable doing this role because she thought it was portrayed in a very accurate way. Yeah, I I think to win her over on that, I understand a German actress saying, I I don't want to be typecast in that kind of role or that's not a role I want to have to take on. But it just shows how different this film is for her to change her mind on that and to, to take this on. And I think she did a fantastic job. I... I think she would have had a, a good shot at Best Supporting Actress uh, nomination for it, but, you know, uh, she's also very well nominated for Actress in a Leading Role as well. Yes. 
I agree. I wish she was actress in a supporting role nominated as well, but there we go. It's okay. <laughs> well, she'll she'll get other nominations in the future. She's already doing pretty well for herself. Yeah. So let's talk about the actress in a leading role category while we're there. So for the uh, BAFTAs, that went to Emma Stone for Poor Things. And again, she is nominated at the Academy Awards. But she's up against Kerry Mulligan, Annette Benning for Nyad, Sandra Hewler, as we already mentioned, for Anatomy for Fall, and Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, we've seen four out of five of these. No, three out of four of them. Ah, we three still... out of five. <laughs> That's a number. We've seen three out of five of them. Um, is anyone coming to the forefront for you? Because we saw Maestro last week, and I think that affected you a little more deeply than you were expecting. It really did. Maestro hit me hard, and I'm not real sure why. <laughs> but it might have been because of Carrie Mulligan's acting and how she portrayed this wife of Leonard, Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein. She did a fantastic job. Her, she... I don't, I mean, it's weird, I, I guess, because I didn't know anything about the film at all before we watched it. Yeah. I knew nothing going in. I was like, oh, this is on the list, we gotta watch it, let's try it. But it, they just blew me away. Her and Bradley Cooper, both, but. Yeah, it, it's clear why they're both nominated. I, I think for that film, despite it ostensibly being about him, she is the lead. She really does. It, it's her story more than it's his. And that's fascinating how much so that is true. So I can see why she's nominated. She's been nominated before. One day she's probably going to win. This is not going to be her year, I don't think, um, because there are some very strong performances. But uh, I really liked what they did with Kerry Mulligan in this film. The hair and makeup nomination as well while we're on Maestro because everyone was talking about Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose uh, the defence had to come from the Bernstein children who said our father had a, a fantastic nose and we we're perfectly happy for him to have this prosthetic but actually that kind of takes away some of the attention from the fact that the makeup and hairstyling for Kerry Mulligan's character was also important in this film. Yeah. They did a great job aging, both of them. But the... Is this a spoiler if I talk about it? I think that's... It's a spoiler. Well, it is also a real-life person who you... So, is it a spoiler to talk about historical facts? I was... Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I loved what they did with her makeup and hair, to be honest, when she... Got cancer. Spoiler. Spoiler oh, alert. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So while she's not well, the the makeup to really portray that she is, she is sick is exceptional. And her acting. That scene got me crying. Was the scene where her friends show up to support her because she's got cancer. This is obviously getting close to time. And they show up and all of the stories they tell 
are about him hmm. while she is coughing and how being i mean clearly in pain she's still enduring talk about him hmm. and that was so powerfully portrayed not only in the sound but also because of the camera angle because it stays on her the whole scene yeah i i was quite impressed by bradley cooper's direction there that it is these long takes just people sitting you see their emotions their facial expressions kind of changing as they talk as things happen around them that's powerful stuff and we don't get enough of that sometimes Everything being cut quickly, he, he doesn't do that. He really wanted to linger on the performances he had confidence in. I'm sure his own as well, but confidence in the performances he was getting from his actors. And that film really is a an actor's film, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, because I love Carrie Mulligan in this film, doesn't necessarily mean she's going to get the Oscar. <laughs> I, I think it seems unlikely that she's going to get the Oscar. The one that most people are thinking could win is Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. But is that really a leading role, or do you think that that was more of a supporting role? See, I thought it was a supporting role as well, although she was the lead actress. I mean, yeah, I think she's the only key actress in it whose name you remember by the end. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Mm. I don't really know. I, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think that I don't know that I would actually call, call her a leading role. Yeah, if they'd put her in Best Supporting Actress, I think she would have won it. Um, the, there's some strange things go on with the Oscars that uh, studios will often move performances into certain categories or, or at least lobby for them to be in a certain category because they know it will do better. So, for example, the the leading uh, performance in Actress in a Supporting Role at the moment is Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, who is fantastic. But I would say she had more of a lead performance than Lily Gladstone's lead performance in Killers of the Flower Moon. But she is now by far the leader for that winning that Oscar. Yeah, she won the BAFTA for it. So. And she's won pretty much everything else for it as well. Now, shout out to America Ferreira because that scene of her monologue in Barbie was excellently delivered. And she definitely deserves a spotlight for that. But yeah, I don't actually think she'll win. Now, I'd agree that's an amazing scene, but it highlights more than anything the writing and funnily enough, Barbie is not down for best original screenplay, but down for best adapted screenplay because the Academy have decided that they are adapting from characters that were already existing. Although I, I'm still surprised by this, and, and everyone is. Again, this is an interesting example of a film being in a category that means it might not win, whereas it might have had a better chance in another one. Um, but yeah, America Ferrera was great in Barbie. It's nice to see her nominated. I hope this bodes well for her uh, getting good roles in the future because she she completely rises to the, the challenge. Yeah, I was just going to say, since we were talking about actresses, can we move over to actors for a moment? Of course. In leading and supporting role. Okay, so 
who's standing out for you in those? They're all great. The actors in a leading role. Uh, we've got Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Colman Domingo for Rustin, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. They all did a great job. My personal hero, I love Paul Giamatti. He has a, has a special place in my heart. And that role was written for him. Absolutely. I didn't love The Holdovers as much as I thought I would, but Paul Giamatti made that movie. It's, it's a funny film because it is set at Christmas time and some people have been saying this could be a new Christmas classic, which made me think, oh, it's going to be a bit It's a Wonderful Life. And although it's got a nostalgic feel, it's not that. To me, it's, it's not going to take the place of something I would watch every year at winter. But that's not because the performances aren't fantastic. They are, across the board, phenomenal. Yeah. The ensemble of those together was perfection. Yeah, it's a tough one, but I think Killian's going to get it. He's. I mean, they've won. Oppenheimer's just won so much. And it's possible that this is one of those rare instances where BAFTA and Oscar really do diverge, though. Because, obviously, Killian Murphy being an Irish actor, that sometimes gets a little bit more attention from BAFTA. Uh, and Paul Giamatti is... He's been working in Hollywood for a long time. They overlooked him years ago for Sideways. So, maybe he's going to rise up to win this one this year. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out, but it's definitely between those two. Because I, I can't see any of the other three standing out quite as much as they have. And sure enough, all the awards so far, um, awarded by other bodies, have certainly borne that out. Yeah. And Killian Murphy did win the BAFTA, like you were talking about. He did get the accreditation he deserved there. So if Paul Giamatti takes it, woohoo. Yeah, either of those is brilliantly deserving. So what about actor in a supporting role then? So, yeah, we've got Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. He was excellent. Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. And Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Um, now, I haven't seen Poor Things. It's just not my vibe, so I didn't go for it. But So I can't really say anything for Mark Ruffalo because I don't know. He's generally good. Yeah. But I'm not hearing any talk about him being the winner for this. Do you know out of all of these, the one that stands out in my mind the most is Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. Really? Yeah. 100%. Because of what about that performance that you think it, it deserves that? I think he played the Mafia King personality spot on. And I mean, that's the kind of role he's done before. But in this way, I think it's more insidious. He really did get that tone right of someone who thinks he's a good person, but is actually the worst. Yeah. And he did, I'll tell you another reason why. Speaking locally from Texas, I know it wasn't set in Texas. It was, I think, Kansas, Oklahoma. I think they said Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That there is a kind of macho 
vibe behind old Southern men, Mm -hmm. which I think he nailed because it is that that is almost the insidious kind of way. They don't do it necessarily out in the open as much, but they do it behind closed doors. And I thought he nailed that geographically also. Yeah, I think that performance is good. Whether it's a winning performance, I I don't think it is. But it was definitely... It fit the role beautifully. It fit the film, the tone of the film, very well. It's a long film. But you never get bored of these performances throughout. Again, we're kind of doing both here. We're talking about who we wish to win and who we probably think will win. And I don't think he will win. Who do I wish to win? I I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to win it. Yeah. And he was fantastic in Oppenheimer. But I would love to see Ryan Gosling win for Barbie. (laughs) Just because that's such a different performance. Such a different role. Such a different film to win uh, an award in one of the main four acting categories. And, And really... Ryan Gosling has been doing such amazing work for years and yet doesn't get nominated or doesn't win. How fantastic it would be for him to just sneak through on Barbie. I I don't think that's going to happen. Robert Downey Jr. seems to have won every award he's been up for. But if Ryan Gosling did win, I would not cry. I would be thrilled for him. Yeah. What about Sterling K. Brown? Because his role in American fiction is quite memorable, but you've been watching him in something else recently that you've enjoyed even more. This is us. <laughs> you have begun on your This Is Us journey. Actually, you're quite far through a This Is Us journey. <laughs> it was, I was uh, sick when I started watching it, so I was uh, desperate to binge it. And binge it, you have. I mean, we're, what, three seasons through now? So it's lovely to see Sterling K. Brown nominated for an Oscar. He can now, you know, be called Academy Award nominee. Um, but at, out of this list, there are such bigger performances, bigger names. He's not going to win it, but fantastic to see his name on that list. Because if you could win an Oscar for This Is Us, he should have done. He was brilliant in that. Um, I can't remember if he did win anything for This Is Us, but yeah, he's a fantastic actor. And again, I'd love to see him take on more roles because this guy is is always superb. Yeah, I'd love to see that too. And I wonder if it is because I'm so deep in my first time through This Is Us that actually his role in American fiction was quite jarring to me. Yeah. And I didn't like it. He was a fantastic actor, but I didn't like his role. He's a little less likable, I think, in American fiction, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, whereas in This Is Us, so far, you, you struggle to not like Randall. Yeah. Do we want to kind of talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff? Like, uh, we, we've touched on sound, but maybe like production design and visual effects, maybe? Okay, so production design is something that often goes to fantasy films. And for that reason, I would be thinking that the front runner at the moment is Poor Things. But what are you hoping to see win on that? 
because it's Barbie, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, and Napoleon. So, I, can you tell me a little bit more about production design? Because I just don't really... So that would be essentially the people who make everything that goes on screen, such as sets, locations, um, the props, all of that kind of thing comes into production design. Okay. So setting up the the environment that we're seeing. So in terms of Barbie, you've got the whole... I can't remember what they called it. Barbie land? I think so. Yeah. And that that would be the reason why Barbie's nominated. I loved Barbie and their set because it was so accurately everyone's childhood. Mm. <laughs> so that, I think, has a huge vote for people in nostalgia. But do I think it'll win against an entire fake town in Oppenheimer that they actually built? Maybe not. Yeah, I, I mean, normally a, a period film or a fantasy film is the front runner for this category. If you create a whole world from nothing, that's where you're gonna you're gonna get your wins. But Barbie was referencing these toys, and it was how well they wonderfully recreated, you know, a Barbie playset. Um, I think in other years with weaker contenders against it that would be one that would stand out. But you're right, Oppenheimer, they created the whole uh, town that they, they worked on the bomb in. You've got Killers of the Flower Moon, where they've built this whole western uh, old set kind of thing. Napoleon, we haven't seen yet, but I'm going to guess that's quite impressive with uh, recreating that era as well. And Poor Thing seems to be fantastical. World full of colour and weirdness that they've made for that all of these are going to be strong poor things is the one that won at the baftas but maybe oscars will go slightly different so now that we've talked about production design a little bit uh, let's talk about visual effects now babe do you want to kind of describe what that is um, just for newbie listeners as well well most of the time now that would be special visual effects that have been done with cgi and and the like and all of these films are pretty CGI heavy. Sometimes there'll be films where you, you don't realise there's a lot of CG. But in this one, you've got films such as Godzilla Minus One. That's quite obvious where the effects are coming in. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, The Creator, Napoleon, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. All of those have got a lot of effects. But the fantastic one to see on the list is Godzilla Minus One. That's kind of snuck in there. A little Japanese film made on a reasonable budget up against these Hollywood blockbusters such as Mission Impossible. I think the budget must have been two or three times bigger. So I love seeing these. I mean, the other one done on an amazing budget actually is The Creator, which was done on a much tighter budget than you'd expect for such a sci-fi of that, that scale. You've seen four out of five of those. Any of those stand out for you? Because I've got a couple of favorites, but, you know, what about you? I love the creator, especially because of what we learned about it. It being, like, mostly CGI, done on a budget. They just had the actors go in, act their thing, and then just CGI built everything around them. That was so cool to me. Yeah, so they added the CG later as required, which was meant that it was shot on locations rather than in front of a green screen. 
but then the CG elements were added in later, so they feel like they really are in those locations. And it works. That's brilliant. So, yeah, I loved that. But another classic fan favorite, I'm sorry, is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And it was because we watched what they did for filming of their visual effects. Because he, uh, like his stunts. Yeah. Now, there isn't a stunt category at the Academy Awards yet. People would would love to see that. But it's true. You know, they obviously replaced the backgrounds and film things like that jump in real life. Uh, and then replaced it with the location that they said they were in. But is that maybe just a little bit too subtle to win this year? When you're up against things like Godzilla looking the best Godzilla's ever looked, or Guardians of the Galaxy with the cute little alien animals. Very true. I I see what you mean. Um, My top contender that I hope would win would be the creator. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think that would be a really nice win. That or Godzilla, I think that would be hilarious to see the Japanese effects artists come and steal it from Hollywood. (laughs) I think that would be quite a nice win to see as well. But either of those films, especially as they did it on much more modest budgets, the amount of work and the quality of the work is outstanding. Um, So we talked a little bit about adapted screenplay, but maybe we need to delve in a little bit more about what that is. Okay. So Oppenheimer... Barbie, Poor Things, The Zone of Interest, and American Fiction are all up for adapted screenplay. So that is what it sounds like. The screenplay has been made from a previous existing work, maybe a remake or based on a book or a play. In each of these cases, it's a book all apart from Barbie. And again, no idea why Barbie should be adapted because I don't think that the character of Barbie has ever had an existing story. But... What's standing out for you there as being the best adapted? Because American Fiction won the BAFTA, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and I'm, it's funny that you say that over and over again about Barbie being adapted. It's funny because the BAFTAs, it was considered an original screenplay. Which makes a lot more sense, I would think. Um, So adapted screenplay, you all know where my heart is, zone of interest. It was number one. I'm sorry. I love Oppenheimer too, but Zone of Interest has, is is the realist and made me feel the most. I'm thinking it might not have much of a chance, just based on the way that they filmed it. Because I'm thinking if a lot of the performances were just very naturalistic and there was a lot of improvisation... Maybe it doesn't actually stick to what was planned and written. So although they've adapted the the book very well, they've also completely changed the book by going from these fictionalized versions of the characters back to the real characters. And if the performances weren't actually scripted all that much, maybe those in the know are going to think that that's not going to be the winner. I think now that BAFTA have given it to American Fiction, and that didn't feel like a very BAFTA film at all. It was the only thing it was nominated for at the BAFTAs, and it won. Maybe American Fiction has got a better chance than I thought. Maybe, yeah. I I couldn't tell you, to be honest. That was such a surprise to me to see it at the BAFTAs and win. 
So, I, I mean, adapted screenplay, they're all great contenders, it seems. But I guess we're just going to have to see on that one. That one's the one to watch, I think, for me. Because I, I, I will be shocked whatever they pick. Yeah, there could be a nice surprise on the evening for that. Yeah. And I, I like going into the Oscars not knowing what's going to win. But in original screenplay, again, we've got five very strong contenders. All of which we've seen. The Holdovers, Past Lives, Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, and May-December. Original screenplay, I think Anatomy of a Fall. I think It, it won the BAFTA for it. Um, and rightly so. Because I get it. <laughs> it's an amazing screenplay. So Anatomy of a Fall, for those who haven't heard of it yet and you will at some point, is a story of a... a, It's essentially a domestic drama that turns into a courtroom drama. Um, And the way that things are developed, things unfold and are revealed, really keeps you interested all the way through. And it feels... Well, very fitting that it's an original screenplay. Because this feels like quite an original story to me. It's nothing revolutionary... But the way it's told really gripped me. Yeah, the editing was excellent as well. And that's another thing I think it's nominated for. Yeah, I, the, the trial itself was just filmed excellently. The actors did a fantastic job. Yeah, Anatomy of a Fall, I think, has a big chance of winning. Um, it, if it's not that, I think maybe the holdovers. Oh, really? Yeah. Just because it's warm and fuzzy. That's true. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I like the holdovers. I mean, I I actually liked every film in this category, so I'm kind of happy with any of them, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I don't think Past Lives will do it. It was it's it was a great film, but I don't know that it's. Uh... I think the conversation about Past Lives when it first was coming out of film festivals early last year was very buzzy everyone was talking about it but being that early in the year i think the buzz has faded and then when things like anatomy of a fall came out again another film not in the english language i think that just pulled all the attention so i think now it's it's kind of getting forgotten about so may december was a film about the story of the woman in the 90s in America who had an inappropriate relationship with an underage, he was a boy at the time. So it's kind of a jarring and somewhat triggering triggering topic for some. So I understand it not winning or not doing anything like that. But I actually really appreciated Natalie Portman's role in that. Both Natalie Portman's and Julianne Moore's roles in this movie. They I were very it... well written, weren't they? So I see why it's one. Is it the only nomination for that film? It might be. I think so. Um, I don't think it'll win at all, but I think they did a great job. And it's very accurate, actually, to what they, they pulled some of the writing from actual interviews of this couple. Which is why I would have thought that was more sensible to put that one in adapted. Because it's been adapted from, uh, you know, real accounts and, and people. And 
like you said, they genuinely took pieces of dialogue from interviews and and popped it into the, the film. So although it doesn't use the real people's names, it uses fictionalized names and um, changes a lot of details, it is adapted from something. It's adapted from news accounts, but okay. Uh, I wonder if maybe that's what's going against it as well a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, so my vote and what I actually think will win is Anatomy of a Fall for original screenplay. Now, like you said, because it wins a BAFTA, maybe sometimes the Oscars can go the other way and maybe it will get the holdovers. So we'll watch that one too. It's also not all in English. And sorry, but a lot of Americans don't want to watch something with subtitles. So I wonder if something that's all in English has got a better chance like the holdovers. It's just an easier watch when someone's tired and trying to get through all the films that they're going to be voting on. So I wouldn't be surprised if the holdovers wins on a few categories that the BAFTAs overlooked it on. Ouch. As an American. (laughs) But uh, also, to be fair, as an American, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I understand that. I can see holdovers winning as well. Now, one surprise that happened at the BAFTAs, a lot of people weren't expecting, was an animated feature, where The Boy and the Heron won for Best Animated Film. Now, a lot of of us expected Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse to win there. Do you think that's going to be repeated at the Academy Awards, or do you think that that's going to go, as expected, to Spider-Man again? I feel bad because I haven't actually seen The Boy and the Heron. So the five that we, we have nominated are Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse, Boy and the Heron, Nimona, Elemental, and Robot Dreams. Now I've seen three of the five. I loved Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So yes, for American Oscars, for sure, I think that's going to get it. But I really liked Elemental and I really liked Nimona. So I... I don't think they'll win, but I did like them. It's a strong year. I, I don't think Elemental is Pixar's best, and it's certainly not Pixar's best chance at winning this category, which normally it dominates. Um, but Elemental was Pixar doing a, a love story for once, and it was cute, and it was inventive, and it was fun. So um, it's no surprise that it's nominated, but I think you're right. It's between Spider-Man and Boy and the Heron. So I'd be fascinated to see if they go Ghibli. But the first Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film, that won. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it repeat. Let's talk about international features for a moment. Because we, we did touch on the fact that, you know, Americans don't always love reading subtitles. <laughs> Very true. So we've got two of these that we've seen so far, which again, we're coming back to Zone of Interest and also Society of the Snow, which was on Netflix. Society of the Snow, I did not want to originally watch. I was like, it's going to be too gory. It's going to be just too much. I can't handle it. So for those who don't yet know about this, this is the story and true story of a plane that crashes in the mountains in was it in Peru? las montañas de los Andes, <laughs> in the Andes, in the Andes, and the survivors 
go to extreme lengths to keep surviving. For two months, they survived. It really does go into injury detail a little bit. The crash, the plane crash, is one of the most visceral plane crashes I have seen on film, possibly ever. But then, for those who know a little bit about the the true story, they survived on meager food supplies, one of which was their fellow passengers. Now, that sounds awful, but this film, I think, handled it about as well as you could. Yeah. I th- And I appreciated that, because that was one of the reasons I was like, okay, I just cannot sit here and watch that happen. But they kept it extremely accurate to what actually happened, because the director and the writers all interviewed actual survivors, all the survivors' families. They kept it very accurate to what actually happened. And the two people, the two to three people that were... The butchers? <laughs> kept it away from it. They did it away from everyone else, so no one would know. So I think that they portrayed that very well as well, because they didn't show any of that. They just... You just knew what was going on. but It was kind to us as well as an audience because I think it would have been tempting for a film not based on a real story to go, ooh, let's get into this and make it gory and make it a real talking point. But this film is very well aware of the fact that the people who had to do that are not proud of it. They don't want everyone to be focusing on the fact that they had to resort to those needs to to stay alive. We had a long conversation about, you know, what we would do in their situation, and I don't envy the choice that they made in any way, shape, or form. And I think the film does give us a little insight into their thinking, into how difficult that was. And like you say, it does save us a little bit of the um, pain of, of watching that. But it doesn't make it easy to watch either. That's very true. It it was a very gripping story, though, and it was emotional. I, I did I was very invested whenever these actors you told me after doing some research that they actually lost the weight. They actually didn't eat very much just to help. Yeah, it was filmed in order. So that as they get thinner, they really were getting thinner, which is an extremely impressive thing for them to commit to doing. And it must have got harder and harder for them to act running on, you know, less calories or however they did that. So amazing that they managed to do it. But you feel it. You can see it's not just makeup. It's not just CG to make them look thinner. Uh, You really felt it. It was very convincing. Yeah. So I thought this and Zone of Interest both helped audiences remember these true stories in a in a really good way. Yeah. And it's definitely between those two. I know we've not seen the other three yet, which are uh, Yo Capitano, The Teacher's Lounge, and Perfect Days. But I am not hearing much about those other three at the moment. Uh, Perfect Days, I think, is only just being released. 
recently, which makes me think that a lot of Academy voters might not have had a chance to see it. But everyone's seen Society of the Snow. It was on Netflix. And everyone by now will have seen Zone of Interest. And normally the rule for the Academy Awards is you look at international feature and whatever film in that list appears somewhere else on the list is the one that's going to win. Uh, in in which case, Society of the Snow has one other nomination for makeup and hairstyling, but the Zone of Interest has multiple nominations. So if, if you're voting for anything but Zone of Interest, I think you're going to be disappointed. But it, if anything, it's Society of the Snow because Zone of Interest will win it somewhere else. So I'd be happy to see either of those win. So original score uh, is between Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, American Fiction, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, we talked in our last episode a little bit about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's John Williams being nominated again for John Williams being amazing. But is this John Williams at his best? I don't know. And it did not feel all that original to me because it felt a lot like every other Indiana Jones, which, funnily enough, after we saw that film, we then went back and watched all the others... Uh, which for me solidified the fact that the score isn't anything amazing and the film isn't the best. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nothing against John Williams, nothing against anyone else involved in that film, but they should have stopped at number three. But in this original score race, Oppenheimer won it at the BAFTAs. Is it going to repeat at the Academy Awards? I'm thinking Yes. It probably will. American Fiction, I don't really remember the score being anything amazing. No, it none of nice. it stood out to me, no. Yeah, but when I say it would win over Oppenheimer, no. Again, poor things I haven't seen. Killers of the Flower Moon, I do remember the score being good, but I don't think it was better than Oppenheimer. So I think across the board, Oppenheimer's going to win that one. I think so too. The only thing that would be in Killers of the Flower Moon's favour, which is, is very sad, is that the composer uh, since passed away and therefore uh, for it to be a posthumous win is possible but I agree I don't think it stands out as anything so amazing that it had a good chance of winning anyway so a few extra votes might go its way for that um, for someone hoping that uh, maybe someone they even knew personally was was going to win it uh, but I think Oppenheimer's the clear winner on that one so, uh, another category is original song, because we're talking about uh, music. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Well, original song is always an interesting category, because there'll be a few films nominated that aren't nominated anywhere else. In this case, the only one that's nominated solely for song is The Fire Inside from Flaming Hot, which is the Cheetos story. <laughs> Which sounds like an odd film to be nominated for an Oscar, but it is only nominated for this because Diane Warren wrote the song. Diane Warren, who has been nominated almost every year and has never won it. Is this going to be her year? No. Probably not. I don't think so. (laughs) She will win one day. She's been given an honorary Oscar, but we've got, what was I made for by... uh, Billie, Billie Eilish. Eilish, yeah, for Barbie. I'm just Ken from Barbie. Wahajaji from Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm saying that and hoping I'm not butchering the 
the name of Fire Inside from Flaming Hot and it never went away from American Symphony. I I think the standout there is what was I made for. Yeah, it, it topped the charts in America for a long time as well. So I I would say what was I made for is probably going to win it. And I would not be mad about that because I love Billie Eilish and she's won an Oscar before. So that might be the one thing that goes against her is that she is what, 20, 21 uh, at most. And she won just a couple of years ago already. So it is possible that they think, oh no, we just gave her an Oscar and it goes to someone else. So I'm Just Ken. I'm Just Ken is not just a great song, but it's a pivotal moment in the film. That film is not that film without that song. Maybe that would be my second choice. Maybe the fact that Billie Eilish is just extremely talented and the hours of work that she put into this song is what's going to get it. Because I watched an interview with her and she talked about how there was so many different ways she tried to sing this song. But she said she wanted to feel, she wanted people who heard it to feel it the way that Barbie would feel it. And that is why she went into such a high falsetto because she wanted it to be at the back of her throat like she had just finished crying. It does sound like that. And I, when she said that, I thought that is exactly how I felt when I was hearing it. (laughs) So the fact that it was so accurate a feeling and that's going to be from a lot of people that watch Barbie. I'm Just Kid is awesome. Love that song. I sing it on the daily. <laughs> but will it win over What Was I Made For? I don't know. I think you're right. What Was I Made For is definitely the front runner here. And it's true. It's possible. What Was I Made For? And I'm Just Ken end up both splitting the vote. People can't decide which Barbie song they like the most. And something else sneaks in. In which case it would go to... It never went away from American Symphony, I think. But... We'll see. I, I think probably Billie Eilish is about to have a second Oscar on her shelf. Last one I think we'll talk about is got to be directing. Because we've got some big names here. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. And Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. It's got to be Nolan's turn. Come on, Nolan, you got this. He's not really been nominated much before. I think he's only had one nomination before. But after a few years where he was the one person who wanted to champion cinema and wanted films to go only to theatrical and not straight to streaming, they wanted to award him a little bit last year for or the year before for uh, Tenet, but that was not his best film. But this time, this is one of his best films. It's got to be time to give Nolan his his Oscar. Yeah, I hope that Nolan wins because I agree this is his turn. But I will say a couple of other directors that I think um, deserve just some mentioning. Justin Triet for Anatomy of a Fall. Is that is it French? It is French. Okay. I thought that was 
fantastic directing with what they had to do with it. I don't think it'll win over Oppenheimer, but we talked about Zone of Interest of Jonathan Glazer that actually what goes against him a little bit is the fact that he had the cameras set up throughout the house and told them, here's the script, but improvise everything else. There wasn't much directing there. I mean, we we weren't there, so we don't know how much direction he put in. But I think knowing that might go against him, yeah. That maybe, although the performances are great, although the film is great, and it's it certainly stands out memorably, maybe it's one of the most hands-off directing styles involved in these films. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's going to win it here. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's got big things in his future. He's now a name that the Academy is going to be watching out for. And I love that for him. But Christopher Nolan's got in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that for him. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about cinematography yet. Um, I think that one is one of the least uh, exciting races. Because although the cinematography is probably fantastic throughout, it's going to Oppenheimer. Hoyt van Hoytema. <laughs> Oppenheimer's got it in the back. <laughs> it has. He won at BAFTA. I, I can't imagine anyone else winning this. But hey, surprises do happen. So uh, I guess that about wraps it up for us. Yeah, I think we're just looking forward to seeing the Oscars on March 10th. We'll be watching. Yep. And we hope you will too. That'd be nice. We'd like to hear your thoughts. So get in touch with us. Tell us what you think might win the Oscars. And what we're going to be looking at next time. So next time, okay, fine. We will do it. We promised. And we will do a review of Aquaman 2. Okay. <laughs> and... I think we'll open that up to a discussion about the the DCEU. A bit of a post-mortem, if you will. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Well, join us next time for that. On This American Life. Y'all come back now, you hear? This American wife Capturing hearts with every line Celebrating cinema love And all that's streaming online So grab your popcorn Cozy up and let's ignite The magic of the movies Where love is our guiding light